0: You're listening to the Driven by Design Awards wrap. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and this week I'm joined by Simon Mundy. G'day, Simon. How are you doing? Now, help me out. It's not Peptide Lab, that's uh, something that would happen in football drugs. So, <laughs> uh, it's Pepto Lab, is that right? C- correct, yes. So tell me a bit about your design practice.
1: Uh, well, so Pepto Lab, uh, the crazy name actually came from a, an exhibition I saw in London um, by an artist called Panamarenko. And he was interested in designing for for the sheer fun of designing. Mm -hmm. So he created designs um, that would maybe never work, but he loved the process and he loved the smiles that his designs bring to people. So, you know, I guess PeptoLab was born out of the idea of putting a smile on people's faces or at least making their life better in some small way. So it started off from a branding perspective, but I've always been a bit of a code monkey. Um, And so it was kind of, you know, inevitable really that I started the slide towards digital design and application design Uh, and so these days it tends to sort of make up about 90% of the practice is is websites and databases and
0: yeah so then you fit into being that uh, new era designer which is you've got the mastery of uh, the uh, traditional design practice but you've picked up the John made lead which is if you don't know how to code you're not going to be much of a designer in the future
1: Indeed, I am the, um, the design and builder. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Now, what's been keeping you busy in the last couple of weeks? Um, a, a wide swathe of things. Um, I guess the one that's probably keeping me most frantic at the moment is the uh, the AGDA Awards. Um, I've built a back end for that that um, helps people during the entry process, also the judging process, and then the final gallery display and you know events side of things. So we're currently at the call for entry stage. We've just um, passed the mark for the early birds. Uh, have a um, shed load of entries already which is looking fantastic very exciting
0: I'm so glad you said shed Um, (laughs) so so it sounds like that's going well for you Um, you've still got a little bit of time for people to go get their nominations in
1: yeah we've got another couple of weeks to go
0: awesome so we'll make sure that uh, we've got a link on the site so that people can actually find the Agda Awards Uh, it's so important that we have you know driven by design all about the demand side It's important that we also have industry associations coming from the supply or the craft side, because without that, we don't get excellence and mastery in the execution phase, whereas we also need excellence and mastery in the commissioning phase as well. And the two have to grow together. So I'm really, really glad to have you here. Now, so for a couple of years, and I think it was uh, more than three, uh, might've been less than 10, you actually devoted a huge amount of your time to actually running. Uh, a lot of AGda's operation.
1: That's right. Here in Victoria, I was the um, the Victorian president. And then later on, let me swap structure. The um, the Victorian chair. So just yeah, one of the regional you know councils. So that and
0: as a former secretary of, of an industry association myself, it's such a, a rewarding process, but it's also quite demanding on your practice. How are you finding now getting back to full time working in your practice? Rather than actually um, half or more of than half of your time dedicated to the industry association,
1: oh, I think the easy answer is I've got so much more time to be productive now. But <laughs> the, the reality of it is that a lot of the really interesting associations and contacts and networks I've made has been a result of my time in Agda. So um, I'm pretty lucky to be where I am, to be honest. Um, and it's it's been a privilege to not only do um, my time, I guess, as a as a councillor, but also To see what the the new wave is coming through with now, and all across Australia, there's some pretty amazing events and initiatives coming up. So it's yeah, I guess it's rewarding to sit back and and look at it from a arm's length now.
0: Yeah, it takes a little while to actually work out how to stop that almost learnt behaviour of how do I get involved. Almost, (laughs) yeah. I remember when I pulled back, it was a bit like I'm feeling I'm purposefully not being involved. Um, that takes a little while for that to go and then you just become somebody who's another member of the community. So, correct. congratulations on the transition and also that dedication over those years. Now we're sitting here today in a cafe called South of Johnson in Collingwood. Where the coffee is delicious. It is. Um, this is, with the awards wrap, I wanted to make sure that it was a relaxed feel. We've got some ambient noise. We've had a chat to the cafe and said, can you turn the music down? They looked at me and said, you want to use our cafe, you get our music. (laughs) Um, We're we're not far away from the street, so you're gonna hear some uh, car doors pulling up. But if the content's good, the ambient noise doesn't matter. So that's our role now, to actually get into some of these projects and let's have a good good chat about them. But before we do that, I want to have a bit of a chat about my last couple of weeks. Uh, I was in Hong Kong, and I was at a tech startup conference called Rise. 360 odd startups I went and saw over a three day period. And probably the biggest thing that I I saw was this a totally different behavior on the startups that had physical product rather than the startups that had software. And why is that? Well, the people who have committed to go actually make something, they don't get to pivot every day. They don't get to go and overload with new features. There's also something if there's something more earnest when you're talking to somebody who's actually got a physical sample product there, you know there's got a bit of commitment to it. Whereas what I was finding when I was talking to the, the software startups, you could tell that they were pitching you on, on Vaporware and that in three <laughs> months' time that they wouldn't be there. Because they pivoted and they'd worked out some other revenue stream. So, yep. much more rewarding conversations with the people who had their physical products. In fact, we're going to curate in a couple of those projects into a, into a few different award programs. And there's something about, you know, we, I think we're now starting to see incubator and startup fatigue, which is we want to go see things which are actually real and have grown, not tadpole stage, we want to see them when they're frogs. And I'm a bit over. Having a chat with 200 plus companies who you know in six months' time aren't going to be in the market.
1: It's a bit of a dilemma because I guess when you're at the you know very alpha stages of a project and you do want to maybe bounce your ideas off someone, um, and you may, as a result of a conversation, decide that what you've been doing is absolutely worth, worthless <laughs> and you need to go back to the drawing board and start again. So you know, in, in that way, it's a beneficial conversation, but I can imagine it's very frustrating when you want to actually look at real, tangible ideas, you know.
0: Yeah, so I think it's important that we go commit to those companies. We give them a trial, but to actually turn around and put them in as part of your strategy and think they have permanency, I'd be saying they're uh, they're in an experimental lab stage. I wouldn't be putting them into my main production strategy because in three months' time, they may not be there.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: So let's go in here and uh, let's uh, get into some of our projects. Nine projects this week. I think we're going to check checkerboard. I'm going to lead off um, on the first project here. Help follow me up when I've been waffling on too much. <laughs> um, let's go into the first one here, Genome One. Um, do you do much in the world of uh, genomics? Have you had your, uh, your genome sequenced? Look, I'm no scientist.
1: But <laughs> no, I think you know the closest I've got to it is maybe a, a medical, uh, the Epworth one time. Right. Um, so I, I know very little about uh, DNA, other than it's one of the one of the shortest uh, and most complex words out there.
0: So I'm going to waffle on a little bit here because I, I live with a scientist who works in the diagnostic industry. So. This is a bit like Olympic diving. You know when you have seen the Olympics and you know what a pike and a a backflip is and it's good entry or bad entry? That's my depth of knowledge about science and genomics. Let's see how I go here. So this genomics world is a really important shift that's happening in in our society. We're starting to go see from a diagnostic perspective that people are using this for preventative medicine where they wanna know, do I have markers for a certain type of breast cancer? do I have markers for a certain type of prostate cancer? Okay. And if that's the case, it doesn't mean that you're guaranteed that you're going to get breast cancer. It doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to get prostate cancer, but you have a higher likelihood. Yep. And then it's about the decisions that you make and the lifestyle that you have that may be favourable to delaying that onset or even it never occurring. And so if you're in a preventative health regime, that you can actually say, what do I need to do? Okay, I no longer eat passion fruit because passion fruit we know accelerates that particular marker and so that's really good knowledge for us to have. It could also mean that when it comes to the prescriptions that you have for drugs that there's certain biomarkers that means that you shouldn't have a particular drug because we know of that inclusion there Mm. and or the reaction. So getting your genome sequence is now a common part of the diagnostic process. Some people are doing it while they're having a medical emergency. Other people are doing it in a preventative sense. But what you need to have is trust. And so what I've seen here, the Genome one guys have been doing is that they've gone off to the the team at Principles, the plural, not the single uh, Principles, and then they've said, "Can you give us a brand which actually it feels that we've actually got the science behind us, but we're also about humans?" I think they've done a great job.
1: The the actual identity is you know, on one level, especially aesthetically pleasing because it has a balance between the the serious with the the uh, genome-type mark, which is um, very straightforward, but the one has... Um, I've been told not to use the word mutated, but it definitely No, no, no it, it you involves. weren't told not
0: to. No, no, no. I love the fact that you said mutated because that's exactly the type of thing we're going to, we're trying to deal with is a
1: mutation in genes. So, but what is, is nice is the sort of the play between that, that stability and cleanliness and simpleness versus the playfulness and the, the energy behind the, the one mark and the fact that there's so many variants of it. Um, it becomes a lot more organic uh, and pleasing, I think, to the, to the end user.
0: Yeah, and for Genome One, their key thing here is that they have to work with their channel partners, being the clinicians who are gonna be ordering the tests, mm. and they also need to work with the customers who are receiving the tests. And So they've gotta have confidence that this actually feels human enough and not too frightening but it also it looks at it's serious enough for the clinicians to go recommend it i think principals have actually nailed the brief here for the team at genome one
1: yeah things beautiful
0: now it's uh, time to go actually pass the baton over to you what's our next project
1: uh well we're going into the physical now um we're looking at the suncorp concept store in parramatta it looks like uh, a lot of money's being poured into parramatta um, just to try and you know Stir some economic development. It wasn't the place that it once was. I used to live in Sydney back in the um, the mid 90s, um, and it might have been a bit of a struggle to get out that way. I was I was living on the North Shore, but you know now, I mean, geographically, Parramatta being you know sort of well halfway between you know the north and the south out there in the Parramatta River, you can get there quite easily by train. There's a beautiful new station there. You can get there by the river, and it's actually a lot more accessible for people. So it's beginning to turn into a very interesting um, economic hub. Uh, Suncorp are making a bit of a play into the, um, well, making a higher consumer visibility through their, their store. It looks like Gaia have, um, for the interior design for this space, have brought a really fresh, inviting, warm and personable um, space for yeah. Suncorp. And,
0: and look, um, I think here, it, it's, it's a fantastic project here. And uh, I'm sure the team that, you know, nobody minds their name being mentioned, but I'm sure the Gaia guys would be much happier um, with the uh, with that pronunciation on their name. But the, <laughs> Gaia, the Gaia team here, um, and it took me a while to work out whether it was Gaia or Gaia. So the Gaia team, uh, they, they're helping Suncor to turn around and actually level the challenger brand to the major brands. And... We're seeing that happening in the digital space where people are saying our product is a me too equivalent that's happening from a digital. Mm. They're also saying that from the physical space. And we know, we know that banks have this incredible relationship with statement buildings that actually say that they have permanency and that there's a security and trust there.
1: Which I think this ticks all the boxes for that but it also has an approachability that um, probably speaks of a challenger brand. Yeah. It, it really does feel as if you know, we know, okay, you're not really satisfied by these big four players, so we're going to come in because we understand you better. Yeah. That's, and that's what it feels like. In
0: the last 12 months, we've seen two of our uh, our bank brands in Australia have gone and plucked, in the case of um, Suncorp, they've plucked out the CEO of Microsoft to go lead the innovation at uh, Suncorp. And we've also seen the ANZ Bank, who they've plucked out the, uh, the former head of Google Australia to go and actually lead their innovation. Um, There's a saying around the bank world, if you're not a tech company, you're no longer a bank. Uh, So I think here, Guy have helped them to not only be the tech company, but also come up and actually match the grade of that physical space, which is great.
1: They've made the space very inclusive in the digital environment as well. It doesn't feel very much like you're confrontational with a teller, it's very much around the table and quite open and and yeah. Yeah,
0: they've done well. So let's head off into our third project here, the customer experience company. Uh, They called in the team at BVN to help them to go and actually work on their office interior. I think it's really important if you're saying that you're a customer experience company that you have a great workplace for your customers to visit you and also the work that you produce for your customers has actually been done in the most productive and stimulating environment possible. Um, I think uh, they've done a great job here.
1: Yeah, it's a very, very... um approachable workspace as well it feels like uh, everywhere has been set up for some kind of um, uh, what's the word more inclusive style of of discussions and throwing ideas around I mean those um, large whiteboards that they've they've got the sliding whiteboards that, that sit throughout the space look look very handy
0: yeah and and I think what we're seeing here also is that um, the customer experience company are trying to make sure that the design culture goes from the very start of their value stack all the way through all their tiers. They've got casual spaces for the team to go and actually work, there's mixed modalities in the spaces so that they can uh, move around during the day if they want to get more stimulation, and there's also some beautiful quiet spaces that they can go off if they need some quiet time rather than collaboration time. But it, in our preparation before we were reflecting on it used to be the idea of collaboration was almost like being in a a, a trader's bull pit in a stock exchange everyone was shouting out their ideas all trying to jump over each other <laughs> very and it, much loudest voice one yes and what we found with that with that culture was that the loudest voice winning actually was about dominance i think here they've actually set the environment where it's going to be more of a quieter tone but it's collaboration and there's transparency and openness. Um, A beautiful project that's been done here by the Customer Experience Company.
1: Where are we off to now? Funnily enough, in the awards space. uh, We've got an entry here uh, under the design uh, identity and branding, which for the awards agency. Uh, What we have is a very playful, kitsch identity for the awards agency, who are a company pretty much set up to help you um, hold your hand, um, take you through an awards process, help you write copy, prepare your material, pretty much give you the pat on the back to say, it's fine, we've got this.
0: Yeah, and we know on on people's anxiety levels that uh, they, we know if people go to speak it publicly, that they actually think that's worse than dying. <laughs> now, I, I say between speaking publicly and dying probably sits putting in an awards nomination. and. I, I see awards nominations that come through that so needed a copywriter to go work on the project mm. because it's brilliant work, but they don't know how to express themselves because they're probably a bit encumbered through anxiety. I think what we've got here with the awards agency is they've got this very, say, lowering of anxiety, playful brand that's here. I'd be giving them a call to go do my awards nominations.
1: Yeah, so there's there's lots of beautiful, bright, bold colours. All the collateral is a bit. Humorous, you know, you receive things in a top-secret uh, envelope, you know, they've got coffee cups for the meetings. They've really actually taken the brand through with a level of, you know, I hate using the word whimsy, but it is whimsy, and, and it's in a really playful way, um, but there's still a tone of seriousness about yeah. the, the end result.
0: I think the White River design team have uh, nailed it for, uh, uh, for the awards agency here. Now I'm gonna head across to the Kanga News. Have you ever heard of the Kanga News? I have not heard of the Kanga News. Have you Have you got any idea what a Kanga News is? Uh, it's gotta be something Australian, right? Yeah, well, it, it is. <laughs> and uh, and I think in our preparation, you came up with a brilliant uh, alternate brand, which was the Kanga Emu's. <laughs> uh,
1: <maybe laughs> that's you, their online uh, yeah, uh, newsletter. That's the,
0: that's the online newsletter. <laughs> We're both in a variable income stage in our life. But yes. I'd imagine our parents their generation are in the fixed income period. Um, they don't, they're not earning money through, uh, through tasks or toil that they're doing, they're earning money out of investments that are, that are in the marketplace. So information is gonna be important for them to make sure that they're getting the best intelligence to know where to move their money to to get a better return or where to move out of to stop low returns. Um, News experts in that space, but uh, what was important was that they actually made sure that they were contemporary and this project here was as much about dealing with a shift of channels, because we know a lot of people are now reading on iPads and they're reading on mobile, and they made the site responsive. They also took it out of being a trade newsletter and they went to go make it something which feels very contemporary.
1: And also, I guess, speaking to the audience, you, know, you just said that it would be our parents' generation. Looking at that, I think that it made the website less complex and less reliant on a lot of the, you know, the visual cues you would get from them, some of the more you know, consumer, uh, younger poppy kind of websites where everything's moving and flashing and animating and so so on and so forth. This feels very restful and it feels a little bit more like a newspaper that you can digest slowly and read through and, and there's no fuss to it. And yeah. I think from that point of view, it's very, very successful.
0: Yeah. And uh, so I think the team at Butterfly have done a great job here for Kenga News. Now, um, uh, we're gonna head off into regional New South Wales. What's our next project?
1: We have uh, the Orange Regional Museum, um, which is the architects behind that are Crone. This is a, a under the public or institutional space. My, my first impressions were just, it's a beautiful, beautiful design, which is very, very complementary to its surrounding. There's lots of shots here of the Orange, um, you know, uh, the township. The the museum sits on this footprint, which um, naturally has a, a slightly a higher profile and it's got a beautiful sloping roof but it doesn't feel out of place it's a wonderful piece of architecture and i threw out the word destination architecture in the description of it before because i feel like this is the sort of thing that a, a local council can commission which will provide a, regi- a, a reason for people to visit regional new south wales or like regional victoria
0: and destination architecture absolutely mm. describes this project it does mm. a couple of things too where it used to be that the civic projects were kind of a step down in rural and regional environments in Australia and now we're finding out that it's the same A grade quality that happens in the major major cities is happening out in the provincial areas as well. Actually, in some cases, they're even a better grade to go get that destination architecture
1: in there. The eco-dev departments of a lot of these local councils are very savvy now to the to the benefits of, of commissioning these styles of projects.
0: Yeah. And I think what that also does is that this gives a new high watermark for, uh, for the orange area to say to everyone, if you want to be contemporary in this city, you have to actually bring up your grade. In Albury, the the banking products that are out there, we're seeing in Parramatta, it's actually Suncorp that we spoke about, that they've decided that they're not gonna make it a second grade satellite city. They're making it a first grade product. The power to use design and architecture to go and actually make a statement is, it's been so democratized. It's great to go see this project in Orange. Congratulations to the team at Crone and the Orange City Council. Yeah,
1: well done. Yeah,
0: they've uh, showed a lot of courage. Now, next project we're off to here is the Winita Nielsen Community Centre, City of Sydney and Nielsen Mercat Architects. You've been to the Woolloomooloo area?
1: Uh, I have, yes. I've stayed the the... Uh, uh Oh, I'm, I'm going to stuff this up as well. It's the, either the Overlow or the Ovalo.
0: The Overlow <laughs> is the correct term. And Overlow are amazing brand, and uh, their former creative director there is one of our ambassadors in, mm. uh, in Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. So the, the Overlow brand there it encapsulates one aspect to the Wullamaloo area, mm. but, but this is an old warehouse. And we've seen uh, that this area of Wullamaloo has gone from being at the bottom of the economic scale, being warehouses, stevedoring, shipping into now having luxury hotels. And I think what the City of Sydney have done here from a strategy perspective is by creating a public space, they can bring those different strata of their economic strata that they've got in the region and get them to build some of that fabric in the community. That's really important. We don't have gentrified spaces, which are enclaves where there's no meeting and community. Um, this space here does a great job of, out of that. Very uh, inclusive, isn't it? Yeah, it is. and. And it's got this beautiful you know post-industrial aesthetic they haven't actually got the high pressure hose out and taken away every part of its history i, I think the team here at nice and market have done a great job to go speak to the old building but also bring new angles to it
1: yeah and as you said to sort of maybe bridge the gap between the the kind of uh, demographics in the area um, and to make public spaces that People do feel comfortable in uh, and exploring. It doesn't, you know, help just from the from the local residents' point of view. But again, it makes it another destination venue for people to come and visit, and um, it brings benefits all across the the, uh, the neighbourhood.
0: So, our next project here, what is it?
1: well something that's very near and dear to my heart it's um food packaging <laughs> um, we've got some beautifully uh designed packaging for the coco uh, and lucas's kitchen brand this is by boxer and co so this is um, for a range of foods that um i'm not exactly sure this is necessarily supermarket food but it's uh, it's been described as something for uh, fussy little eaters uh, i think the the branding has reflected that in a very playful uh, and engaging kind of a way it does look like the kind of food that i would just want to rip open and 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 heat up
0: yeah so this is actually this is a, a really about the grabability of this food that's in here so the cocos and lucas brand is all about prepackaged food mm. you've got to go think that you know where you've got a little bit hangry at the end of the day uh, you want to walk into a supermarket you want to buy something that looks like it's nutritious and desirable they've done a great job here in in that grab factor and packaging is such an important thing if you can't work out how to go get somebody to go just lift your product off the shelf you haven't done a good packaging project
1: it's not an expensive uh, luxury brand it feels like a very affordable but highly nutritious brand yeah. which if you know if that's what they're aiming they've, they've absolutely hit it because... and,
0: and the pack shot actually makes you go think i'll eat this because they've hidden the underlying food which generally for you if you just go see the underlying food, you may not actually choose to eat it. they give you the desirability. No. Yeah, there's that cognitive dissonance, which is we know what's under the label, but it's gonna taste good and be nutritious, but it may not present as it is on, on the pack shot there. Um, but it's a great, great project here done by Box and Co for Coco and Lucas. Now we're coming up to our last project in this week's wrap. I'm gonna see if you can pronounce this, cause uh, this is a, a Scandinavian themed uh, cafe restaurant. How would you say
1: the name of this project well i've seen enough uh detective shows on sbs to have a good crack at this i'm pretty sure it's uh mjolnir
0: yeah that's not bad if it's if it's where those a lot of those detective shows are down in the south of sweden <laughs> and uh, i've lived in sweden long enough to know it you'd say there, um, which uh, <laughs> which uh, which, uh, which gets you halfway between danish and swedish down in that southern area called uh, skonska this, in yeah this was done by the speakeasy group and azb creative Anybody who says speak easy in their name, I think uh, I just want to go there. But what I think they've been able to go do is that they've worked out how to create an evening experience for adults, which is actually about fantasy and getaway. I think I think it's a brilliant space. Oh,
1: this looks like the perfect little uh, after work wind down where you might sort of blow off a little bit of steam, hatch some plans, catch up with some friends. It is a very intimate, dark... I mean, looking at it gives you the... it. it you think of the words, nice warming spirits in there. Everything feels warm and inviting and cozy. Yeah. But it, um, yeah, it's got a really nice edge to it. Yeah, and look,
0: uh, Alex Zobato Bentley, who's done it um, in the, as far as uh, personality size go. Alex is a seven out of five uh, personality. He's like, he's bigger than an old get out person. He's done a beautiful execution here for his client at uh, Speakeasy Group. Um, it's immersive, it's rich. Um, it's somewhere I'd love to go and actually drink a bit of meat.
1: Well, I've just picked out a little uh, paragraph here. It says it has around six hundred whiskies, All right, that's enough reason for me to go. <laughs> a bit more of that destination, destination
0: architecture coming in there. Yeah, a bit of whisky uh, sampling. So that's our wrap for this week. There's our nine projects. Ah, oh, well, I've really appreciated this,
1: Marcus. Well, so good
0: I, fun. I'm the one who appreciates it. Without having a, a co-presenter, I can't get through this. So thanks for helping me out this week. But I've got to go and actually do some thanks for some people and a bit of a wrap up here. Um, definitely thanks to the team at Principles. Without our support from our community members, we don't get anywhere. We've got no content. We also, um, that's where our revenue stream comes from. So definitely Principles, Gaia, BVN, Butterfly. Chrome, City of Sydney, and AZB, thank you for supporting us. It's been great to go see the work that's been in this week's awards wrap. And as I keep saying to everyone, make sure that you're driven by design.